0: This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Well, today we continue in our series called Building a Better Future. In these lessons, Pastor Rick shares how we can build a foundation for a better future by following the examples of leaders in the Bible who followed God's calling to rebuild after a time of captivity. Well, you've probably noticed the more grateful a person is, the happier they are. That's the power of gratitude. But it's not always easy to feel grateful. That's why Pastor Rick developed a great new resource called The Power of Gratitude. Go to PastorRick.com to find out more or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part two of a message called Getting People to Work Together. Number three, here's the
1: third principle organize around natural relationships. If you have a dream and you're gonna get other people to help you with your dream, you need to create work groups that use relationships that already exist. We see this in verse 13. In Nehemiah 13, Nehemiah says, 4.13, I posted them by families. All right, we'll come back to that, but in chapter three, we see a lot of other examples of groupings using existing relationships. For instance, in verse one of this chapter, we see a ministry based work group. In other words, people were working on a project together because they shared the same ministry. The Bible says there in verse one, Eliashib, Eliashib and his fellow priests rebuilt the sheep gate. Now it's interesting, the sheep gate is where the sheep came in that they were going to sacrifice at the temple. So you'd figure they get priests, you know, rebuilding the gate that affects the temple the most. But these guys are serving in ministry together. It's a ministry-based group. In verse two, we see a geography-based work group. It says the men of Jericho built the next section. Now what's this? These guys are all from the same city, They already had a community connection, so they knew each other because they all lived near each other. They had a a community connection, a location. It's a geography-based group. In verse three, we have a family-based work group. It says the sons of Hasenah built the fish gate. And what are the sons of Hasenah? They're brothers, okay, they're related, they're family. Verse 12, we see another family-based work group, Shalom and his daughters built the next section what a they're all sisters these are existing groups they, the relationships are already there. now in ancient Hebrew culture women weren't honored like this so Nehemiah has given credit to where credits due these daughters built their part of the wall behind their house and in verse 32 we see a career-based work group. It says the goldsmiths people who worked with gold. And the merchants, these are retailers, built another section. So you got craftsmen, you got retailers. These are people being grouped by professions. Now, why am I pointing this out? Because at Saddleback Church, we do the exact same thing. We have small groups based on each of these categories. We have groups that are based around a common ministry, They work with students or they work with uh, young people or they work with people struggling with a different problem or whatever, recovery. We have ministry, common ministry groups. We have common location groups that we all live in the same neighborhood. We have common career groups based on professions where certain groups get together with you know realtors or accountants or whatever. By the way, if you're not in a small group, why aren't you? I mean, what what are you waiting for? You're missing out on everything. It's interesting that in this chapter, there are no professional builders mentioned in the building of the wall around Jerusalem. Everybody was a volunteer, everybody was an amateur, everybody had another career. Everybody is building the wall, working on the dream together without being paid. They're all volunteers. Okay, so we divide the dream into smaller goals and tasks we let other people share ownership okay of the dream we organize around natural relationships who are people like me and have a similar interest or background or location or whatever and then number 4 develop a team spirit if you're going to reach your dream you're going to have to get your friends or the people who are working with you whether it's 2 or 5 or 10 or whatever you're going to have to develop a team spirit. What does that mean? You focus on cooperation, not competition. You emphasize what we're doing is something we're doing together. Somebody said you spell success, T-E-A-M-W-O-R-K, teamwork. You cultivate community. This is the fourth key. You, you develop a team spirit on your dream team. How do you do that? by getting them to pay attention to those working alongside them. You see, if you're only, listen to me to this, because some of you have a problem with this. If you're only focused on your task, if you're only focused on your goal, if you're only focused on your dream and you don't focus on any of the people, you're not gonna value them. And in fact, you're not even gonna notice the people who are serving with you. One of the reasons, another reason Nehemiah succeeded where other people had failed. They'd tried to build a wall around Jerusalem twice and failed. He succeeded where other failed because he created a team spirit. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to get other people to work together with a team spirit? It's a skill you need. He helped people feel a part of something bigger than themselves, than just their own individual effort. He said, you know, look on either side of you. He's saying we, we got this thing, we're, we're doing this together. That's why another key phrase in Nehemiah, this phrase is used 21 times in 32 verses, is the phrase, and next to them, and next to them. Nehemiah said, you know what, if you get tired and you're discouraged building your part of the wall, look to your right, look to your left, and you'll just see who's serving next to you. Realize you're not alone, we're a team. In fact, in this chapter, Nehemiah mentions 18 different teams. And that's just a sampling. You know, I read this week on the importance of working together, working in formation. I read that geese can fly 72% farther in formation. You've seen them in a V, that they can fly 72% farther in formation than they can by themselves. I think that's principle probably works with adults and children and any human being too. First Corinthians 3, 9 says this, we are partners working together. Circle that. We're partners working together for God. In the body of Christ, there is no place for prima donnas. We develop a team spirit. I want you to write this down. Okay. This is really important because it's a reason a lot of people fail. God's work is always done in partnership. God's work is always done in partnership. Paul never did any of his ministry alone. He never went after any dream alone. He always took a team with him. Jesus' entire ministry was done with a small group of 12 people. When Jesus started his ministry, first thing he did is build a small group. If you're not in a small group, who's helping you with your dream? Who's encouraging you? You've heard me say many times that there are 58 one another's in the New Testament. That phrase, one another, is used 58 times. The Bible says we're to love one another, we're to care for one another, we're to serve one another, we're to help one another, we're to pray for one another, we're to bear one another's burdens, on and on. What is that? That's this principle of developing a team spirit. One of Saddleback's core values is we're better together. Now, why is a team spirit essential to your dream? Well, let's look at a couple of verses. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 says this. Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one because they get more done, notice, by working together. So Underline that. They get more done by working together. If one falls down, the other can help him up and two can resist an attack that would defeat one person alone. Three people are even better. And a rope made of three cords is hard to break. He's saying, you know what? God never meant for you to be a lone ranger. God never meant for you to go through life isolated, trying to do everything by yourself, trying to reach your dream just by you. God wants us to have this team spirit in the body of Christ. Philippians 1.27 says this, above all else, you must live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. All right. He says, above all else, that means number one, you got to live, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. And then he says in the rest of the verse, how you do that. He says, I want to know that you're working together. Circle that. Working together and striving side by side. That's what Nehemiah is saying. Look to your left, look to your right. Next to him was this person servant. Next to him was that person servant. Next to her was that person servant. Working together, striving side by side to get others to believe the good news. Notice in that verse, look at it again. What does God say brings honor to him when we work together? individually, but when we work together as a team to bring others to Jesus. Number five, here's the fifth principle we extract from the treasure of Nehemiah 3. When you're getting ready to build your dream, here's what you do. Love everyone, but invest in the willing. Love everyone, but invest in the willing. Now, this is the strategy of Jesus. I want you to follow me. Jesus Loved everybody. There was no person that Jesus didn't love. He loved everybody. He fed the five thousand. Okay. He 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 preached to the crowd, but he trained the seventy, and he discipled twelve, and he mentored three. All right. See how it gets smaller? Okay. He he loves everybody, but He he spends the maximum amount of time with those who bear the maximum responsibility. The Bible tells us that only Peter, James and John got to go up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Only Peter, James and John were brought into the Garden of Gethsemane a little bit further to pray with him. Only Peter, James and John got to see Peter's mother-in-law be healed. Was Jesus playing favorites? Yes. He was investing the maximum amount of time with those who would bear the maximum responsibility, okay? And later in the book of Galatians, James calls Peter, James, and John the pillars of the church. Did it work? Yes, it worked. The the people he spent the most time with, he gave maximum responsibility. So you love everybody, but you invest your life in the willing, those who wanna help in the dream. Now listen, not everyone is gonna wanna be part of your God-given dream. Don't worry about that. Don't fret about it. Don't sweat about it. Don't get uptight about it. Don't get depressed about it. Not everybody's gonna be a part of your God-given dream. That's okay. Nehemiah wasn't discouraged by those who would not help. In fact, in in this chapter, he just barely mentions their reluctance and he then keeps on focusing on those who did wanna be a part. That's in verse five of this chapter. In Nehemiah 3, 5, it tells us, the next section of the wall was rebuilt by the men of Tekoa. Okay, that's the good news. But it says, the nobles, the noblemen of that town refused to work or help. Okay, that's all he says about him. The noblemen of that town refused to work. Our help. We we don't know why they didn't want to help. I think it reveals Nehemiah's leadership character that he doesn't elaborate. He doesn't speculate. He doesn't guess about their motivation. Well, they thought they were too cool, or they were too important. They didn't want to do menial labor. Or, or no, no, we would do that. We would start saying, well, they don't want to help because of this or that. That here's the truth. You don't know your own motivation much of the time. So why do you think you assume that you can know the motivation of others? You don't. I don't know my own motivation a lot of times. I have so many mixed motivations and you do too. And if you can't figure out your own reasons why you do what you do, how in the world makes you think you're an authority on anybody else? So you love everybody, but you invest in the willing. You don't don't get upset by people who don't wanna help. Remember, even Jesus, who by the way, remember was perfect had a defector named Judas who bailed out on him and caused enormous damage. But Jesus kept his focus on the 11 faithful guys, not the one unfaithful. You're gonna have people in your life who betray you, let you down, disappoint you, but you don't keep your eyes on them. You keep your eyes on the people who work with you hand in hand, who are serving as a team spirit and you love everybody, you keep your heart clean, you don't get bitter, but you invest in the willing. You know, over the last 40 years, (laughs) I've been disappointed by people who benefited from our church for years without ever giving back. They didn't give back financially, they didn't give back in serving, they were just consumers. Okay, I've been disappointed by people like that they, They came around forever at Saddleback, but they just never gave or served or did anything to help the church. But you know what? They didn't hurt us, they only hurt themselves. And when I would think about those people, I would always remind myself of two facts. And I want you to write these down because you're gonna need to remember these about your dream, okay? When people don't wanna support the dream God has given you, here's the first thing to remember, waste no time judging others. Anytime you spend judging others, is time you're not working on your God-given dream. Waste no time judging others. Romans 14, 10 and 12 says this, why do you judge your brothers or sisters in Christ? And why do you think you're better than they are? Remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. And then each of us will have to give a personal account to God. So, he says. Stop judging each other. God is God and I'm not. Now, people who disappoint you in life, they're not accountable to you. They're not accountable to me. But one day they're going to give an account to God. So just leave it at that. One day their excuses for not getting involved will feel pretty embarrassing. Just let God be God and don't fret about it. Another thing to remember, instead of getting disappointed with people, is remember, God will reward what I do. Write that down. Remember, God will reward what I do. I don't have to worry about anybody else. I'm gonna be rewarded for two things, the Bible says. First, it's Proverbs 14, 14. First, I'm gonna be rewarded for how I served. You're gonna be rewarded for how you served. Proverbs 14, 14 says this, the faithless will be fully repaid for their ways but good people will be rewarded, okay? People, you know, one day they're going to get their due and one day you're going to get your due. The thing about good people will be rewarded for their service, eternal rewards last forever. Second thing, I'm going to be rewarded for what I gave. Not just what I served, how I served, but what I gave.
0: This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you missed any part of this message or if you'd like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit pastorrick.com where you can listen online anytime. That's pastorrick with two r's in the middle.com. Be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be right back to close out our time today, but first Did you know experts have discovered that gratitude is the healthiest human emotion? It makes you more resistant to stress and increases your overall happiness and satisfaction. You've probably noticed the more grateful a person is, the happier they are. That's the power of gratitude. In fact, the Bible tells us rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. It's clear that God wants us to develop the attitude of gratitude. That's why Pastor Rick developed a brand new Bible study called The Power of Gratitude. This innovative Bible study is filled with scripture, teaching, exercises, quotes, prayers, and journal pages. And as you go through the study, you'll discover many and often unique things you have to be grateful for every day you'll develop a lifelong habit of expressing gratitude to God, a habit that leads to true happiness and satisfaction. We'll send you Pastor Rick's Power of Gratitude Bible Study when you give a gift to help Daily Hope take God's Word to people around the world. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy of this great resource. That's PastorRick.com, or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. And thanks so very much for your support. Here's Pastor Rick with a closing thought. Jesus told his disciples
1: that they should live their lives according to five specific purposes. He said, you've got to love God with all your heart that's worship, and love your neighbor as yourself, that's ministry, that's called the great commandment. And then Jesus said, go make disciples, that's evangelism, baptize them into the family of God, that's fellowship, a sign of fellowship. And then he said, teach them, obey everything I've taught you, that's discipleship. And we call that the great commission. We believe at Daily Hope that a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will produce a great Christian, a great church, a great company, a great community. You know, I started Daily Hope so I could spread the good news about Jesus, not just across America, but all around the world. And we want people to know that God's word is filled with hope and truth. And the power that we need to follow him every day is available to every single one. You know as well as I do that the word of God changes lives. It's alive, it's active, and it breathes new life and new love into all of our lives. So wherever you listen to this, whether you listen on the website, whether you listen on a radio station, whether you listen through a podcast, you're a part of the Daily Hope family, and I need your help. We could not do this without your support. Now, you know I don't take any funds from this broadcast. We don't have any giant million-dollar donor who's giving big gifts to this. It comes from daily donations from listeners like you. We're 100% listener-funded would you continue to pray for this broadcast, and would you continue to support us? And let, write to me. Let, let me hear from you. I absolutely love reading the stories that are sent to me. So write me, pray for me, and support this ministry. And God will bless it, and God will bless you, and we'll get to heaven, and
0: we'll thank God for all the people going to be in heaven because you cared. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.